chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. We're going to read this in the ESV. There are some ESV Bibles under the pews. If, uh, it will also be projected up here. But if you want to find that Bible in your own Bible app or, or physical Bible, uh, feel free to do that. Um, and, and once you are ready to read the scripture, if you could please stand as able for the reading of God's word, I'll read the scripture for us and we will all respond with thanks be to God. So again, that's Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, uh, uh, for those who, who weren't able to join us last week, um, it was kind of a continuation of the campus postgrad retreat. And I know not everyone was able to do that. Not everyone was in that life stage. But we wanted to kind of bring that experience uh, to LGM. And it was a wonderful time. We had uh, Sophia, who uh, is somebody who um, has been a part of LGM. And, and she shared uh, it with us and, and, and just her heart and her experience with God and uh, it, it was a wonderful time and a wonderful experience. And I have to say, last weekend, the, the theme was wholehearted. And uh, s- some of the, the campus and postgrad folks uh, gathered over the weekend to kind of reflect and share a little bit the experiences that they had. And uh, th- there's a brother from uh, postgrad who was just kind of sharing, like, you know, a- a- as I get older and, you know, as I'm, like, working and things like that, Honestly, sometimes I'm not really sure what it looks like to be wholehearted. We're singing so many songs about, like, giving everything to Jesus. I'm not really sure what that looks like for me anymore. And I have to say, I resonated so deeply with that. Because I have to say that as we get older, I I just think, like, like, you know, when we start adulting, you know, just life gets more complicated. There's just more stuff, right? Um, There's just a lot more responsibilities and you know, you've got a job, and you've got all these things. And even for those of you who aren't in the workforce, maybe some of you who are in, in college, uh, or, you know, uh, maybe you're, you're in that kind of stage of life where you're not quite there in that nine-to-five grind, so to speak. Uh, but you can kind of feel that complexity of life, right? Just more responsibilities, more stuff, you know? Uh, I, I don't mean to scare any of our college students, but if you guys aren't paying your own taxes yet, you're going to have to. Maybe some of you, you're having that experience of having to pay rent. You know, some people who are a little bit older, you know, we got mortgages, <laughs> you know, and we got all these different layers. And then, you know, you might get married and now there's a whole nother family that you have to deal with. And then you might have kids and you got to, you know, support these tiny humans who get, keep getting bigger. And, you know, you, you, you got to fend for them. And there's all those responsibilities. And if you're someone like me, I, I've got, um, you know, uh, uh, parents who are aging. 
and getting older. Now we're starting to have conversations about what happens with them and, you know, where can we get you to a safe place as you're getting older and you can't care for yourself like you did before. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's so much, right? It is so much. And I have to say that even on the level of Christianity, the more that I learn and the more that, that I you know, when I went to seminary and, you know, I thought like, man, this is going to be a time where I'm going to be like so on fire for Christ, right? I'm going to learn so much about the Bible and about faith and, and how to do it and all this stuff that, that it's just going to like, man, I'm going to be like a rocket ship and take off. And one of the things that I found was that's not really the case for a, a, a lot of folks for the same reason that, that, that I think for us as adults, you know, life gets more complicated and sometimes we don't really know what that looks like. Give your all to Jesus. Like, like does that mean I give up my job? I mean, I, I, I need to have a job, right? I, I got to provide for my family. The answer is yes. You, you do have to do those things, right? I mean, I got to pay this mortgage. I got to pay off those school loans, right? What, what does it mean? You know, do, do I just drop everything, right? I, I, I'm not really sure what that looks like anymore, you know? And, and then, you know, I, I remember hearing from uh, one of my professor, uh, professors, who's now actually a, a good friend of mine, um, but when I was in seminary, you know, what he said was, what he finds that people who go to seminary uh, go to train to be pastors and learn more about God, it's not so much that they, like, completely lose their faith. Maybe some people do. But what he said was, the danger is really that your faith gets dull. Right? That you just kind of start to drift a little bit. You know, maybe that, that faith was like, it was turned up to 11, right? Like, like just to use a, like a cooking analogy, you know, you, you got that range and it's on high, you know? And then it just gets turned down a few notches, right? You're, you're on medium heat now or medium low or something like that. It's just a simmer instead of a raging fire, right? And that's just kind of the danger of, you know, just... Years, right? Like, I mean, this happens in relationships. I don't know about some of you who are in romantic relationships. Maybe some of you are in that kind of like, you know, quote-unquote honeymoon phase, right? That things are still fresh and new, and you look at that person, and you're like, man, when God created you, God was showing off. And you're just like, I never knew it. Good, you just heart like, ah! You know? And then, like... Some people who've kind of been in a relationship for a while, right? Like, like I'm 46. I've been married for, I always have to calculate this. <laughs> it's like going to be 19 years in November, right? Like that, that's kind of a long time, you know? And, and it's like, do I look at my wife and always feel the, ah, you know, like, I love you so much. You're so awesome. Like, sometimes, sometimes. But is it every day? <laughs> probably not. Probably not, right? She's probably listening to this. But, um, yeah, you know, just the intensity gets turned down. That's just kind of life, right? It's hard to keep that up, you know? And I have to say that... Um, you know, there were some questions, and, and I think I shared a little bit about this last week. Like, why did we invite Sophia, who's so young, you know, and Sophia, who hasn't had formal training in seminary? You know, why don't we get, like, like a veteran, you know, somebody who's doing ministry for years? And, and you know what I told the leadership as, as we were considering Sophia was, it's like, I don't want someone else like me. 
<laughs> who's been doing it for so long. You know, and maybe that, that intensity has just kind of like gone down a little bit. Maybe the sermon will be like more technically complicated or whatever. And, you know, it, it'll be like, like more clever or something like that. But I want someone whose heart is on fire. I want someone who's still super hungry, just has this love for the Lord, right? Like, like, like that, that's to see. And I, I have to say that I've been hearing from so many people that they were so blessed, you know, from that experience. And, you know, that, that may not be everyone's experience, but, you know, I, I've just been reflecting on just, just what happens to us as we get older. And, you know, maybe some of you, I, I have to say, you know, I, I do think there are people who are like really on fire um, after the retreat, or it, there's some people who didn't go to the retreat, or it's just like the start of a new year. You know, God is doing something. Shift. I feel the shift in LGM and, and, and amongst a lot of the people that I've been talking to. Um, I know some people who, yeah, I mean, they're just, man, they're, they're going after it, you know? But I, I, maybe that's not everyone. Or maybe, you know, you, you wonder, you know, you hear me talk like this and you're like, Okay, Pastor Steve, you're starting to bum me out a little bit because, like, is that going to happen to me? Like, like I'm so on fire now, but am I going to lose that fire? And I'm not here to make you afraid. I'm just here to tell you that, that it, it is a real thing that can happen in this world. And maybe you know this. Maybe for some of you, uh, you had felt that, that steady slide or that, that decline. And, you know, there's a time where, where your, your fire was burning really hard. You know, it was, it was burning really hot. It's not so much anymore. And I think in many ways, this passage is for you. It's very interesting. I just want to kind of like preface a little bit. This is a, a series of addresses that the angel of the Lord is giving to uh, many different uh, uh, churches. And so there's seven different churches. And that's why you're going to see the number seven. Number seven is a very uh, biblical number. It's the number of wholeness, right? Seven days in the week, right? It's the number of perfection. It's the number of God. Right? But there happens to be seven churches. And so we see to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Now, what does that mean? Well, I'm not entirely sure, but I do think it has something to do with the angels. It has something to do with the presence of God. Right? And if you think about stars, right? Stars are really, really, really bright, and they never burn out. Have you noticed that? Right? So we've got seven stars. And these represent, I think, the presence of God and the blessings of God and this idea that God's fire will never burn out, right? Agreed? Right? We know that. But then it says, who walks among the seven golden lampstands? And, and, and I was reading a little bit about this passage, and it seems to be that there's a gold lampstand for each church, Ephesus, Laodicea. Philippi, right? Like these different churches, they each have a golden lampstand. So you've got the presence of God, right? The blessings of God that will never burn out. But then you have lampstands. What do you guys know about lampstands? You got to light them, right? And so when you light them, there's like a nice fire that's going, right? And it can burn for a while, right? Lampstands are pretty reliable. Compare that to like a match. You know, you light a match and just... Just goes out, right? But even a lampstand needs to be maintained, right? We'll come back to this. Just, so just, you know, just tuck that away, right? There's a lampstand for each church, right? 
And, and obviously, we would want to light this. <laughs> and so this is what the angel says to the church in Ephesus. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. And, and, and what most people think is that this is the, the presence of Jesus talking. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. So this is like, like really awesome of this church in Ephesus. I mean, I think you guys know the book of Ephesians is written to them. These are faithful people, faithful Christ followers who have been following Jesus. And it looks like they're doing They are enduring. They are enduring patiently. They are bearing up for the sake of Christ, right? They have not grown weary. In fact, this is a church that I would argue is a little more sophisticated, right? Like like they've got a little experience. And so they're able to look at some of the the teachings out there and be like, hmm, this is not good theology. You know, like this is not the gospel. This is a counterfeit. And they're able to see through that and be like, "Mm, no, 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 this is a false prophet. False prophet. We're not going to stand for that. We're going to stand on the truth. And you're like, okay, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that, right? On, On one level, this is all good stuff, right? Church in Ephesus, mm, you guys are doing a great job. However, that's not the end, right? That's not the end of the address. But I have this against you. And it's a big but. That you have abandoned the love you had at first. By the way, in the Greek, the literal Greek is this. Because the word for first is proton. And and it says, but I have this against you. That you have abandoned your first love. What's that mean? Well, the word first, I mean, it's the same in Greek as it is in English. The primary meaning of first is time, right? Like, first sequentially, right? You got to do this, number one, before you do number two, right? That, that, that's, that's first. But we also know that when we say something, you should put something first, it's not just priority in time, right? Or like in sequence, but it's also in priority and importance, Right? It, the, the, like, if you say, I put my family first, it does mean you prioritize your family in, in that you want to spend time with them more than you do anyone else, and maybe before you do other things, but it also means they're more important to you than anything else. That's why we say, make first things first, right? You ever hear that said, right? So what does that mean? The first thing, the most important thing, you make that your priority that you do that before you do other things, Right? And so this is what Jesus is saying to the church in Ephesus. You've got all these other things going for you, right? Like like you know the gospel, right? Mm, Good job. You're enduring patiently. You're not growing weary. You're doing the work, right? They're, they're, They're serving God. But I have this against you. You have abandoned. I mean, that is a pretty harsh word, right? You have abandoned your first love. Let that sink in. Can that happen to a church? Could that happen to the church, maybe not just in Ephesus, but the church in America? Could that happen to a church in Ann Arbor, Michigan? 
that we seem to be doing the right things. I mean, I, I do think that there are a lot of Christians nowadays who are so caught up in like, hey, this is the true gospel, right? This is the right theology. This is the right doctrine, right? And friends, by the way, there's nothing in this passage that says that's bad, right? It's not saying that's bad at all. But notice, I still have this against you. (laughs) There's something much bigger than that. Something way more important is that you've neglected your first love. You've abandoned your first love. It doesn't come close. And I wonder if for many of us, as we get more sophisticated and as we get older and we think that we have to have more knowledge about God and, you know, we've got to defend the gospel and, mm, you know, this this is not the right doctrine or whatever. And we get caught up in that, that we have lost that experience of the love of God. Maybe we talk about the love of God. We, we, We know what the love of God should be, but we're not experiencing it anymore. I've heard it said that the church in the West has increasingly become more proclamational. What do we mean by that? We focus on doctrine. We focus on sermons. We focus on teaching, right? And head knowledge and these kinds of things, right? By the way, what is one of the main things you do outside of worship? What's like like any church? You're like, okay, you got Sunday worship, but we got to do more than just Sunday worship. What is the one thing that almost every church needs to have in addition to Sunday worship? What is it? Bible study, right? Bible study, right? So we need more of this. We need to know the Bible more. By the way, friends, please do not hear, hear me saying this. I'm not saying it's bad, okay? But when you look at what the Spirit of Christ is saying to this church, he's saying it's not enough. It's not enough. And it's not nearly as important as what you've lost, Can you imagine that you've been married for 20 years and you look at your wife and, and, you know, someone's like asked, like, do you love your wife? And and you say, well, yes, my wife has many excellent qualities. She's a good mother and she's a hard worker. And she, you know, is is like really faithful to me and, and, you know, she, she's like really good at accounting. I don't know. <laughs> she's a great gardener, right? It's like, no, 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 no. But do you love her? What do you feel in your heart towards her when you look at her, right? And, 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 and you realize that you don't feel anything anymore. It's all up here. What would your wife say about that? <laughs> or what would you say if your spouse said that about you? Oh, well, you have many excellent qualities, right? Friends, what is going on here? I wonder if we have lost this very simple thing, the first love, right? So again, to go back to the example of when you've met someone and, you know, you're just like, I can't believe that there's someone like you in my life. And not just that there's someone like you that exists, that's pretty awesome, but that you actually want to be with me, <laughs> that you want to share your life with me, that you want to hang out with me, that you kind of like me. Like, that's pretty amazing, right? And if you've ever experienced that, you know that it's, it's this thing where just like, like you feel like fireworks are going off in your soul, right? 
You're just like, oh my gosh, this is so great. Like, you know, like I was saying, you, you get that feeling of just feeling overwhelmed. Just, ah, oh, oh, it feels like your heart's going to explode. Like, ah, oh, I can't believe this, this is happening. This is so great. Have you ever felt that towards God? Have you? I'm not saying this to make you feel bad. But maybe some of you have. Maybe there's a time, I don't know, maybe it was even at this retreat. Like, oh my gosh, God, you love me so much. Have you ever heard someone explain the gospel in a way where it just seemed like the Holy Spirit just can work through it and just, boom, it just hits you? And you're like, oh my gosh, Jesus died for me, for me. And you're just like, right? Like it, it wrecks you. Have you ever had those moments? And maybe those moments in worship where, where you're praising and you're just like, oh my gosh, like, like God loves me. God is wonderful. And God is gracious towards me. And God forgives me. And it's not all about you, but that's what makes it so wonderful. It's like, who am I? Like that, that, that song that we sang in the beginning. Who am I, right? I'm a vapor in the winds, right? Like, I, I, I don't mean to be crass, but I'm like a fart, right? Just, just you smell it for a little bit and just the, the wind takes it away and then it's gone, right? That short my lifespan is. I'm just a speck of dust, really, when you think about it. But that God would send his son to die for this speck of dust? That God would consider me and want a relationship with me? And it's like, I am a flower quickly fading, right? It hits you. Do you remember? Do you remember for some of you? And maybe for some of you, it's still hitting you. Or, or, or you're still in that place where that's fresh, and that's great. And I'm not here to take that away from you. But if there's some people here that you had that before and you don't have it anymore, I, I, I want you to say that, I want to say that you're not alone, right? But it is something that we need to prioritize, right? And so, yeah, friends, this question that I have for you and for all of us, have you forgotten your first love? Have you forgotten that experience? Has it lost a little bit of its luster? Has it lost its appeal for you? Not just the freshness of emotion or the intensity of emotion, but maybe, right, like Jesus is still important to you, but he's just kind of slipped down that list of priorities. He's not the first love. He's maybe like eighth love, ninth love. You know, I mean, you, you really love, like, your friends, and you, you, you love money, and, and, you, and you love, you know, when, when people, uh, uh, like, like, when people like you, and when you're respected, and you, you like all these other things. You like stability, right? You like security. You like, uh, you know, knowing things that are certain. And somewhere on that list, Jesus fits somewhere there. You know, like, like I, I don't know, maybe you, you like Fortnite or League a little bit more. You know, just judging by, by what you get most excited about, judging by what you spend your time on, right? I know we're not supposed to say you love League or Fortnite more than Jesus, but when you just really look at it, right? If someone were to just objectively look at your life, you'd be like, yeah, I don't think you love Jesus more than you love, you know, this game. And I'm, again, I'm not saying this to, to make you feel bad. But I do think it, it, it's something that we really should look at. Why? Because it's a big deal to God, right? I, I, we're going to go through a couple of these things, right? But I, I want to show you something that um, 
I, I, I just want to say this, and then we're going to kind of go back. It says, if you don't repent, right? And we're going to talk about what it means to repent. But I will come to you and remove your lampstand unless you repent. We're coming We're coming back to the lampstand. What is the lampstand, guys? It is the place where we have the presence of God with us. Now, God is everywhere, right? But this, this, this real fire that comes from God. You got the stars. The stars are never going to go out. But a lampstand can be removed. You know that. A lampstand can go out. And this is the part that we have to take seriously. Right? I, I, I said a lampstand... A lamp, it, it is definitely better than, than a match. Sometimes we have matches in our spiritual lives, right? You, you have this moment where you're just like, fire, and you feel it like, oh, God, thank you, right? And then it's out. Just like that, it's out, and then you're just back to your everyday life, right? And you kind of forget about it, right? There's other times in your life where the presence of God is with you, and it doesn't go away. Even if you're not actively praying, even if you're not actively reading scripture, even if you're not actively worshiping, it's just there, right? All the time. You know that God is with you. You know that God loves you. You know that God's favor is on your life. You know that the presence of God is with you, and it's just there, always. And it's so comforting, and it's so wonderful. And friends, I want that, don't you? Wouldn't any church want that? You step in, and you're like, man, the presence of God is here, right? Oh my gosh, it's here. The blessing of God, the Spirit of God, right? The lampstand is here, and then Jesus says, if you don't repent, I'm going to remove the lampstand. What does that mean? Then we won't have the presence of God. We won't have the experience of it in the same way. Right? So this is something we've got to take seriously. And friends, if you understand that, if you understand what a blessing that is to have the lampstand, to have the presence of God, that fire with you all the time, I think you will say, there's nothing I want more. God, I don't want you to take that, right? I need that in my life. And so, friends, then we need to repent, right? We need to go back. Friends, uh, you know, when, when it talks about this priority, how right? I mean, you look at passages all over the place, and I just want to reiterate, right? There's this passage in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Right? That's how important it is. All the other stuff, it's meaningless. It's worthless if we don't have love. What love? Right? You wonder like, like, that there are people who kept asking Jesus, what is the most important commandment? Why did they ask this, friends? I think part of the reason is because life and religion was just getting really complicated. There were so many laws, so many commandments, and Jesus seemed to be focused on something that they were not. And so the teachers of the law were like, okay, Jesus, you seem to be breaking some of these laws and commandments, not following the same ones that we are. So why don't you tell us what is the most important one, right? 
And so Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. The second is on the same level. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. They got to be together. Most of us think as love for other people. This is why it's read at almost every wedding, right? Like 90% of weddings, it's read there because we think of it as other-centered love. But it doesn't say that. It just says, if you have not love. And you see that in the, the greatest commandments, the two that are put side by side, they cannot be taken apart. You have to have both. The love of God that you have will overflow to other people. You can't use love of God as an excuse. Did you notice that there are people who are so zealous for God? They're so zealous for the right teaching that they seem to just be like, nah, these other people, right? They're kind of judging them, and, right? And, 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 and so you could frame that as love for God. You, you, you know, the church in Ephesus could be like, God, what are you talking about? We've forgotten our first love. We are so zealous for you. We're so zealous for, for right teaching and for the gospel. And Jesus is like, mm, no, I know your heart. You've forgotten your first love. And I wonder, I wonder, this is just me reading into it a little bit, but I wonder in the way that they were treating other people and thinking about other people and judging other people, I wonder if that was a little telltale sign. My love is not completely in you because you hate my people. You're judging them. And there's a way where you can still discern and you can still say this isn't right teaching and not lose that love. The church in Ephesus didn't seem to have that balance, right? And when we talk about love, right, it's got to be this whole all-encompassing thing that we need to have. And so, friends, I I, want to talk about uh, uh, how do we regain this love? Maybe some of you are like, Pastor Steve, I don't want to lose my lampstand. I want to have that presence of God in my life. How do we get that back? Well, very helpfully, Jesus tells us, right? He says, um, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first, right? So he gives us three things. So let's go through it. First thing is to remember the heights from which you have fallen, right? Be honest about this. Realize that there was a height. There was a time where your heart beat for God, where you were so excited about God, where it was so simple, and you just wanted nothing but God. I remember there was a time when I was in Korea. This was before I went to seminary. And I was still, like, kind of discerning my call into ministry. And I was at this time in my life where um, I felt like things were just getting really complicated. And, of course, at least for me, I mean, you know, I'm not saying this for anyone else, but girls were involved, you know, I was like, I'm so lonely. Why don't they like me? You know, like stuff like that, right? Um, also, I was like serving in the church a lot. You know, uh, I also, I felt like super, super lonely when I was in Korea. I was doing this year abroad in Korea. It was like, um, yeah, like it, it was it, kind of a study abroad thing for an entire year. And during this time, I was always surrounded by people. But I, I, there were many times where I just felt so profoundly lonely. That's why I was having the girl problems, right? Because <laughs> I thought that would fix it, you know? And I'm sitting there, and, and it, it was actually a New Year's Eve uh, prayer service, just an impromptu thing that some of my friends did. And, and we were just going to get together, like one of the guys, like he worked on the, the military base in Seoul, and he just brought like a bunch of sparklers for us. 
and we, we have the sparklers, and you know, we're like, Happy New Year, right? And then we're, we're just singing, and we're praising. And at some point, just people would just start worshiping and praying. And, and I just got down on my knees, and I just started worshiping God. And it was like the whole room started to fade away. And I just felt like it was me and God. Right? I felt like it was like that lampstand moment. I just felt God so strongly, and it was so beautiful, and it was so warm. And for a moment, I was like, oh, my goodness. I'm not lacking anything in this moment. I need. This is all I want. That moment, I was like, Jesus, I can give up everything. You can take it. I don't need any of it. I just want this. I just want you. And just everything just faded away. It was so easy to say that. I meant it. 100%. God, I'll give you anything. I remember that. Ever felt that? Have you ever had that? Friends, remember the heights from which you have fallen. Just be honest. And if you want that, don't say, well, now I'm a little bit older. I know a little bit better. Life is a little more complicated. Well, yeah, it is. But God's the same. Has God changed? Has the Holy Spirit changed? Right? Is the ability for us to access God changed? Or did we just change? Our hearts changed. We got a little more callous. We got a little colder. Right? And so just remember the heights from which you've fallen. And if you know that, then there is the room for repentance, which means to turn, to go back, right? So it says turn, so repent, right? That, that's that second part. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent, right? Which means to turn, right? That's what repentance is. If your life is headed in this direction, this is repentance, right? You turn in the other direction, right? You turn in a different direction, right? And so this is the thing is that it's easy to get to the third stage, which is like, the third step is, you know, spoiler alert, it's to do the things that you did before, right? But in order to get there, first you have to turn. Because we have to acknowledge that there are things that we are doing that is dulling our love for Christ. We're focused on things that are not getting us there, right? And friends, this is why repentance is so important. Because If there are these things that we are so focused on, then we're probably not as focused on Christ, right? And so there might be this decision that you have to make, right? Where you have to give up something that you thought you loved. This is part of the reason most real life change or real just like people who like completely change for God, it comes after their lives crash. Why? Because then it becomes obvious that what they're doing isn't working, right? Most people won't change if they think it's working, right? And there might be some people who God is calling you to give up something that you thought you loved. I'm not calling anyone out. But we were talking about relationships a second ago. <laughs> it's very easy for a relationship to become an idol, you know, for you to think that this person is going to complete you. This person is going to be the one, right? And there are some of us, friends. I'm not, I don't, I have no idea who this is, but I just wonder. If there's some of us that we want the things that we think a relationship will give us, and we are so willing to put up with so many other things that are bringing us away from Christ, 
we're willing to overlook things in that person that they have their brokenness and their brokenness is starting to rub off on us and some of their insufficiencies and ways that they're trying to get us to fulfill them and get us to change and just to fit whatever thing is within them. And there's all these things that we're willing to compromise because we are looking for this thing. We're looking for this thing. And maybe for some of us, we'll get to the point where it's like, maybe I need to turn from that. I'm not telling you, you got to break up or whatever, you know, but maybe you have to shift. Maybe you have to start thinking differently about your relationships. Maybe you just have to ask the question, God, what do you want me to give up? Maybe it's not a relationship. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's the way you're thinking about your grades or your money or whatever it might be, this thing that you put all your eggs in this basket. And this is why we have turned from Christ because we are turned to other things. And we're like, oh, yeah, that, that shiny thing. If I get that brand new car, it's going to make me happy. If I get into that job or that internship, it's going to make me happy. If I get this thing, right? And we've talked about this before. We know it won't fulfill us, but it doesn't stop us from trying. And because we're like, well, I don't know what it means to give up everything for Christ, so I'm going to give up nothing for Christ. And maybe we just have to ask that question, God, what do you want us to turn from? What is it that is dulling my love for you? And I'm not saying go, like, give up everything and go, you know, become a missionary or go join us, uh, uh, right, like, sell all your goods. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe, but maybe it's not that drastic. Maybe it's just one thing. Maybe there's one thing that God is saying. Hey, let's start with this. There's one thing that you are focused on more than me. It is dulling your love for me. And can you turn from that? And the last thing is to do the things that we did before, right? Do the works you did at first. But friends, I think this is an important thing. To do it in the manner you used to do that, right? And so part of the reason why I think some of us, that our faith is is more pure, that, that our love is, 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 the intensity of it is so much greater, it's because our lives were simpler, right? And it was just very, very simple. Our faith was simple. And maybe what God desires to do is to restore us to that simplicity. I love what Sophia did last week where uh, Sophia was challenging people to make a commitment to read the Bible. And it's so simple, right? I mean, we know that. That's, you learned that in Sunday school. There's nothing sophisticated about that. But there are all these people who committed, you know, I'm going to read a chapter of the Bible every day. I'm going to read three chapters of the Bible every day. And I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with you of people who have been doing that. They're like, yeah, you know, I used to have so much trouble reading the Bible, but I've been doing it this whole week. I read a chapter of the Bible, sometimes three, you know, and that's so beautiful, friends. And this is the thing. This idea of simplicity is something that I think we've lost as, you know, sometimes you start reading the Bible and you're like, but it's confusing. I don't know what this means. And right, we get so caught up with it and we lose the simplicity of what it's about. It's not about getting smarter. It's not about understanding all the mysteries of God. God will reveal that to you in time if he wants to by the Holy Spirit. You are not, it's not your job to figure that out. What your job is as far as I'm concerned, and as far as what we're talking about, restoring that first love. It is about just being with Jesus. So I want to remind you, just kind of in closing, of the story of Martha and Mary. You guys know the story, right? Jesus goes to visit Martha and Mary. Martha Martha welcomes Jesus into her house, right? She wants to be with Jesus. 
But there's a difference between Martha and Mary. Mary sits at the Lord's feet and listens to his teaching. That's it, right? It doesn't tell us that Mary had figured everything out, right? That she's like, oh, I understand everything. And she's like crunching away in her mind. She's just sitting and listening, right? But Martha was distracted with much serving. I got to do this for Jesus. I got to make this for Jesus, right? And she's doing all this stuff and she gets upset at Jesus But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. We've got to make it simple, friends. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which would not be taken away from her, which is what? Just sitting at the Lord's feet. That's it. Just listening. When you read the Bible, don't make it about anything else other than, I just want to sit at the Lord's feet. I can read a few passages. I can read some chapters, even if I don't understand it. I'm just sitting at the Lord's feet. You know, I want to encourage you. You know, if you haven't started, maybe you want to start in Matthew. You just want to start with the stories about Jesus. Just sit at the Lord's feet. And and, and you can listen to a chapter and just receive it, right? And just let Jesus be near you as you draw near to Jesus. Friends, um, can, can I ask the priesting to come up? I want to ask you that again. Have you forgotten your first love? And has the fire or the intensity of the fire of your love for God and of your sense of the presence and blessing of God in your life, has that really been dulled in your life? Maybe it feels like the lampstand is not there. Some of you, when I said that, you guys were like, Pastor Steve, I don't know that I have that. Maybe I did at one time, but I don't have that right now. This is the beautiful thing about Jesus. This is what I know about Jesus. You can always get it back. You can. You know how I know this? Because it's not about what you did. It's about what Jesus did for you on that cross. You can get that lampstand back, friends. You can get the presence of God back. You can get the blessing of God back. You can get your first love back. We need to do what we did before. It might be repenting. It might be turning. And then maybe it's just simply being at his feet. Maybe there's a time in your life when you prayed to God and it was super simple. It didn't have to be all these thoughts clouding it. You're just like, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I want you more than anything else. And it was just that simple. So friends, maybe we can just do that. You know, maybe some of you, you feel led to just sit here, just sit at Jesus' feet, just enjoy his presence. Say, Jesus, I just need you to be near me. I I just want to know that you're here. I just want to sit and chill and rest. I'm I'm tired. I've been running. I've been doing things. I thought I had to do it all for you, that I I had to serve so faithfully, you know, or I had to read so much Bible and, you know, do all these things, but really, you just want me. You just want my heart. So I just want to sit here. Just enjoy your presence. Maybe some of you, you haven't talked to Jesus in a while because it just seems so complicated. Where do I even start? Just start where you did before. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, you love me. So friends, can we just take a moment, however you want? Let's go back to that simplicity of our first love with Christ. 
I just thank you, Lord. God, if there's any of us who we feel like we've lost that first love, we have abandoned our first love. God, we want to repent and turn back to you and say, God, we want you more than anything else. This world cannot satisfy. You are the only thing that can fill this void within us. It is only your love and your presence. And what you did for us on that cross shows us, God, that you are for us, not against us. That is an open invitation. That the price for it has been paid. That lampstand has been paid in full. We can have that again in our lives. But we need to seek it. We need to create room for it. We need to go back. Go back to what we used to do. Go back to the simple faith, the simple love, these simple prayers. Just this desire, God, we want to sit at your feet. We want to be with you. We welcome you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.